We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's the best way to mask my crappy opinions and outrage? Ask other people's questions. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Alex Smith, the Kabakman, Twitter, Yankee Gunner. So there's a lot happening. And right now there's news breaking. David Ornstein says this 50 million pound acquisition of Ben White looks like it's going to happen. We want it to be 45 plus five because, you know, we're always looking for that value. We're always really teasing out those values. But but Brighton do want 50 million. So we'll just give it all to them. Um, but so here's the cool thing. We're doing a mailbag pod. And what that allows me to do is ask other people's questions. So you can't come back at me and be like, gosh, you're always so down on stuff. No, I'm not down on anything. I'm just asking other people's questions. That's how it works. So hopefully we'll have a lot of fun with this. We'll try to get to as many questions as possible. Look, because of the timing of when we asked for questions, there are quite a lot of, is Ben White better than Saliba? Is Saliba better than Ben White? Should we be buying Ben White? Should we be selling Saliba? Yada, yada, yada. And like, I will do my best to try to find questions that aren't that. But I imagine given that that topic is hot right now, we will... um you know, we'll be doing quite a bit of that. So uh, I do want to remind everybody we are going to be meeting in Vegas, and I'm very excited about it. August 20 to 22nd at the Win. Uh, there will be live podcasts, cocktail hours, watch parties. Um, there may even be a pool-related event that's still being ironed out. FIFA games, uh, a, a symposium from Ted Dutz and the CEO of StatsBomb on, on the transfer market and how that works, the behind-the-scenes dirt. Should just be a lot of fun. And then a lot of podcasters will be there, and, and hopefully you will as well. The uh, the official website where you can register for it is undergoing a lot of, of work because there's like three different companies deciding what the red tape is for that. But the fact is it's free. So you'll be able to register whenever that goes live. Uh, in the meantime, you can you know just hopefully plan to be there if you're able to make it. And if you can't, we'll do something in London around a game coming up. There was supposed to be one, uh, not this past March, but the March before that, that this thing called COVID ruined. So that stinks. But you know the idea is it would be great to just get out and about and meet everybody um, because as we say so much, this community means a lot to all of us and, and being able to actually meet in person, have a drink together and uh, either cry in our beers or, or toast to the, the thrilling successes of Arsenal uh, either would be cathartic and, and good to do. So looking forward to that. Um, again, the Highbury Librarian on Twitter uh, designed a bingo mug a bingo card for the podcast, which is absolutely hilarious. And we had the funny idea, like what if we put it on a mug and made like a bingo game that you could play along while you listen? Well, we did that. Uh, so now there's a bingo mug. You can go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash shop 
and uh, you can grab the mug. It ships all over the world. But the the thing is, we decided to do other silly ones. So there'll be like ones that make fun of Paul and ones that make fun of Tim and ones that make fun of me and ones that praise and value Clive at his appropriate level. So there'll, there'll be all kinds of, of good stuff there. So anyway, uh, oh, and coming up for Patreon, last bit, uh, a Saliba Ben White hybrid scouting video. So we can't do the Ben White scouting video without doing the Saliba one because people have asked for both. So we're going to mush them together and do them both together. You'll be able to watch and listen or just listen or whatever you prefer, but that'll be out uh, shortly this week. So that's out of the way. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. I'll pause. Woo-hoo. Clive's on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. <clears throat> On we go. We're going to be answering questions from Facebook, from Twitter, from Discord, uh, and uh, I won't make any up under a pseudonym that are just, why are we buying this player? But, you know, maybe I will. I don't know. It'll be in that voice. That's how you know it's me. The first one comes from a man who, uh, you know, I think it's important to elevate voices that don't have the chance to be heard. So this is from Arisa Blog at Arisa Blog, uh, I think Ars Blog on Twitter. Clive. Is spending 50 million pounds on a 23-year-old player with Premier League experience and who is in the England squad worse than spending 28 million pounds on an 18-year-old who had less than 20 professional games under his belt? Oh, that's a brilliant question. I don't know if I... I, I, think, I think it's a half-assed question, question, personally, and I, I would tell that to the person's face if I ever met him. <laughs> it's a brilliant question. But the answer is almost impossible to give. Because well, it's that clever have, of you. It's <laughs> <laughs> how I roll, son. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. I roll. <laughs> because if anyone of you seen William Seaver play in an Arsenal game in the first team, then who can judge his performance? I'm, I'm all ears. Mm. <laughs> and um, and for Ben White, we have seen him play in the Premier League. We've seen him play in the Championship. We've seen him play for England. Um, I don't think you can get any other centre back playing for England. Maybe obviously. Um, Guy from Wolves, <clears throat> Connor Cody, he's a little bit older now. Um, but you look at the other centre-backs, how much they're going to cost? All of them. Probably just around £50 million is the lowest one. Maguire, 80. Stones would be worth more than 50 now. So, yeah, it's, um, it's the way it is, I'm afraid. It's the way it is in this league. There's a big tax to pay. Um, Saliba, it's an unknown. Honestly, we were talking beforehand. This is going to go on and on. I absolutely think this player's got massive potential. Huge, huge. Everything about him just looks so exciting, so interesting. To be clear, you're talking about the one we're not using, Saliba, right? Not Ben White? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so interesting. And it's it's funny how we think. There's there's something in us, Arsenal fans. There's something in us that says we like doing the clever thing, the thing that's high risk, the thing that's far away, the thing that's distant. When we got Sleeper, we all loved it. We're thinking, yeah, let's get an 18-year-old in our defence. I like that. Look at him. No one else does it, really. No one else does it. It's quite interesting to see Ben White. <laughs> We're looking at Ben White, and he's had loans at Newport, Peterborough, Leeds United, and then finally gets into the Brighton team, does one season, and he gets sold for £50 million. It happens sometimes. I think there's more to this Sleeper thing, as you we spoke about earlier, Elliot. I'm just not sure it's a football thing anymore because I think I know a little bit about football, not everything, but a little bit about football. And my eyes tell me there's a player there worth looking at, at least worth looking at. If you're not prepared to look at him, there's got to be something else in the offing. Yeah, I think the hard part, right, is there's two components. You know, Arsbog's question is an interesting one, but the reason that I think it can't be answered directly is 
yes, spending $50 million on a 23-year-old good Premier League center back in the England team is arguably just as sensible or more so than $28 million on an 18-year-old with less than 20 professional games under his belt. But here's the problem. We're spending the $50 million with that 28-year-old already in our team and no longer only 20 professional games under his belt, but now really establishing himself as a... You know, as, as a good player, as a player who, you know, people rate very, very highly. And now, you know, if you look at his League One, League Uh experience, he's got 42 League On starts at the age of, you know, 20. Whereas Ben White has 36 Premier League starts at the age of nearly 24. At Saliba's age, he was at Peterborough. At Saliba's age, he's shortlisted for the Golden, you know, Golden Boy. Um, so, yes, I, I think Arsbog's point is fair, which is, if you were just to evaluate two different moves, $28 million on an 18-year-old with very little professional experience, or $50 million on a 23-year-old with a good Premier League season under his belt, you could say that the $50 million move might actually be more sensible. But you're making that move with the other guy already in your squad and now two years on and really looking talented. So it's, it's more the point of did you need to make the spend. So, Paul, I will uh, ask you... This question, um, so this comes from Blavic on Twitter also. Putting aside the concerns over resource allocation, what this means for Saliba, other positions being more important than center back, etc. Is Ben White the best center back that $50 million could buy us? Which center back would you buy if you had $50 million to spend? I think this goes to something we were talking about off mic, which is just, well, we were talking into microphones. There was just no recording going on. Um, I think what's hard for me too is it, it feels like Arsenal saying... Let's find a guy in the Premier League who's at a pretty good age and pay the maximum amount possible. Like there, there, there doesn't seem to be any Stop like me. real sophistication. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Again, I'm not saying he's a bad player, and I'm not even saying we're necessarily overpaying. There isn't anything particularly clever about this move, and I think Blavich's okay. point is: Can I give you another scenario before you box Paul into that scenario? Well, Paul's not going to be it's boxed into any scenario. I promise. Mean, let's, 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 Go ahead. Yeah, be great. Clive's doing to me what I do to him all the time. Thank you, Clive. I feel so much better about my normal performances. If, I give, if I give you three centre-backs we were looking at, Edmund taps over, Jules Kunde, and Ben White. And we chose Ben White. I, I think that's a better way to, to frame it. Because, okay. and you could say all well, the other two are better. Yeah. You could. Um, <laughs> would. You could do. You don't know, <laughs> but you could do. I watched Kunde play for France last night. Right, I know he's playing it right back, but he did look great. Yeah, that, right? that was so, a, that was a tough tough ask for him though. Right back, bombing up the yeah, wing. Yeah. He looks. He looks. He looked a little bit. It was a bit much for him on the day. Nothing major. He's still a good player, right? So, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a that's a better way to frame it rather than say we found the most expensive English centre back and paid top dollar for him. I think there was a selection process that went on. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, th- then, then let me. You know what? I'll just ask a, a different question, Paul. Unless you want to answer that one specifically. Oh well, I definitely want to talk about the Ben White. Yeah, yeah, thing. it would still be Ben White. So, okay. l- yeah, yeah. so let me ask this one. This one comes from Wisdom of Mamir at Wisdom of Mamir on Twitter. Why is a fifty million center back a priority? Does this mean the end for Saliba? Is this Perfect. another example Lovely. of bad business? Yes, Ben White is good, but is he fifty million good? Put that into context. Bruno Fernandez was fifty-five million. Van, Van de Beek was forty million. Party was forty-five. This is a defender for fifty million. Is this sustainable? Um, there's a lot of questions in there, but I guess the, the the central one is: Was this a priority, and does it mean the end for Saliba? Uh, 
So I've been busy talking myself into this whole transaction, Elliot. You'd be glad to know. I'll be like, unsurprised to hear you. Mean. <laughs> what, what would what would need to be the case for this to make sense? So here's the case for the what is this? The defense. I don't know. It seems a little passive, but we'll go with defense. Um, do we need a centre back? Yeah, our current centre back starting pair would be holding who everybody thinks is a decent squad player, and uh, Gabriel M, who splits Arsenal's supporters in general terms as to whether he's really good, whether he's really good yet, but will be in the future, uh, whether he's not as great as we first thought, um, but most people would agree he's a bit raw, a bit proactive, maybe overly proactive, but it was his first season and he's settling in. But one thing's for sure, um, the coaching staff, Arteta, Edu, kind of know what they got there. And apparently they don't think he's ready to control the line next year on his own. We've lost, lost David Luiz, who despite uh, maybe a rocky start with Arsenal and Arsenal supporters, I think by the end had proven that he provided a number of things that were deeply valued uh, within the team, including leadership, communication, uh, believe it or not, a sense of maybe not calm, but control, and certainly was the the North Star for our defensive line. Uh, called the shots, uh, had what it took, and then added in the passing, the progression, the stepping up field, which is a factor in a number of teams now in terms of how they play to car- take the ball you see, maybe John Stones isn't the greatest proponent of it, but you, you, we've certainly seen that highlighted, that one of Stones' role is to step up right into midfield, right into the final third with the ball uh, to pro- provide another option uh, for teams who want to sit back. So we're seeing centre-backs used in ways that maybe we never have been before. Um, and... So we have the void in our back line because Holding isn't the captain uh, of the defensive area. He's not. He's a, a variable passer. Some games good, some ga- games not so good. Now we have this Saliba fella who we were all very excited about. Um, like, even if we think he's very talented, he's 20. There's no way he's going to be calling the shots for our our defense unless he's extraordinary as a leader, as a personality, as a cam presence joining the Premier League. There's no way Gabriel M is going to be looking to Saliba or his right back or the goalkeeper is going to key off what Saliba tells them to do in year one or year two. Um, So I believe there's a few things we see here. Maybe a little bit of a different style of a player. I mean, I haven't watched a huge amount of Ben White, but when you watch him, you think, holy shit, the boy can play. Like, he's not just a centre-back who's quite good at a few things. Uh, he's phenomenally good on the ball. Is he a great centre-back across the season? I don't know. I haven't watched enough of him. Um, the other thing I'd say is, like, this is the first time you would say Arteta and Edu with a clean sheet of paper, with a kind of clear vision of what it is their plan is, have plumped for a player, and this is the player they went for. Um, he's a Premier League player, so you pay a little extra. 
he's ready to go. He's he played basically every game for Brighton last year. I think he played had 36 starts out of 38 in the yep. Premier League. Played all over the place. Uh, two thirds of the games were at centre back. He played DM, CM, right back because. He's just a phenomenal all-round player. Now, I can't tell you he's a brilliant player and he's the answer. But if he isn't, I don't know why they spent the money. Because basically what what that money says is, we're going to build our defense on and around this guy. And I don't know what it says about Saliba. I hope what it says is, he's young, he's talented, he's not ready like the, did anybody really think that Saliba was going to captain our defense after the shenanigans of last year? I mean, it's just not plausible. So who is uh, captaining our, our defense? The last point I'll make is, uh, I think I said this on the last pod, like there's a perception we don't really have an issue with defense because our numbers were okay. Our numbers were okay defensively because we kept it tight, conservative, uh, almost passive defensively which meant we struggled to get the ball up the pitch. And when we did get it up the, the pitch, we were very conservative in our shape so that we weren't exposed defensively. And players who can allow us to play more, who allow us to lean forward into attack as we go for more shots, more goals, who can cover transitions, who have the speed, pace, the smarts, to co- in a way that D- David Luiz couldn't, cover transition going backwards will be vital to a team who wants to score 70 goals. You can't score 70 goals and say, ah, any old couple of deck chairs at the back will be fine because we'll concede 71. So, Mm. like, uh, uh, I'm not 100% sure I know how good this guy is, but it's clear that's what this 50 million signing is saying. They've had all the time in the world to think about what they need. They've plumped the money on this guy right at the start of the summer to get him in. He's Premier League. He's ready. Perfect age. Um, we've overpaid a bit, but then we've we've done value on other players. Like Lucas Torreira, will we get that money back? Uh, we'll just about get our money for Gendouzi and a, couple, a few million. Like, look at the money we've spent where we thought we were being clever and got nothing back or lost money. So... If we get a great player and overpay by five million, that will not be the biggest mistake Arsenal has made in transfers over the last decade. Uh, we rarely get the player we think we have, so it all comes down to how good is he when he gets here. But I mean, it's not great for Saliba. There's no two ways about it. But the Saliba situation's a weird one. I think it is fair to say that Ben White's a good player. That I mean, like. Let's say I think the fee is the right one. I, I genuinely don't know, but like it's probably I, high. I mean, yeah. even I defending it, it is probably high. But like most are, how many of our deals do we look back on and say, "Oh, that was great"? Mm, so, I mean, not, not a imagine lot. <laughs> you overpay for something that turns out to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at the end of the day, Nicola Pepe was a massive overpay, but I think people are warming to him regardless. I don't think there are a lot of people that are like, oh, "I wish we didn't have him." That really screwed us. Now. Maybe it did really screw us. We could have spent the money a lot better. Um, but if you get a good player, you wind up being a lot less concerned about whether you overpaid or not. Um, I do think that there's a fair question to ask of timing. Like, if we had already spent $180 million in this window on all the positions we thought we needed and then went and spent $50 million also on Ben White, I think people go, all right, well, it's not great for Saliba, but fine, we're really getting aggressive here and we're, we're making moves to try to move back up the table. So I think in that case... 
I mean, that that's a, that's a fair question. Absolutely, um, Clive Adam at three five who on Twitter asked the same question that Tump uh, Tump forty six asked in the Discord, and it's basically who is one player Ben White aside that you've seen in the Euros in the group stage that you think would be a realistic stylist fit stylistic fit for Arsenal the way Tom asks it is based on their performance in the group stages who would you sign so maybe not necessarily Clive in terms of who they've been their whole career but just based on what you've seen in the group stages who's a realistic player Arsenal could get that you would love to to pilfer oh okay can I just do one last bit on um on Ben White just one last so bit. you can the only thing I'm going to say is that I don't know that there's much interest in the topic and I don't want to bore people but sure, go ahead <laughs> No, just a touch of what Paul said, really. I read an article back from a little while ago from Tom Morgan in The Athletic, and he was saying that only one team is pressing a little bit more. I think it's Aston Villa. And he was saying that most teams now are settling into a mid-to-low block. And so that really does put an emphasis on your build-up more than anything. You know, people do pressure now and again, but not as much because it's very hard to do on the body, not so sustainable. Everyone's dropping away once after the five-second rule. And so that that skill set is key. I've got Tim's words in my ear saying, all I'm hearing about this guy is, is his ability to attack. But it is important how we attack. The, the central defenders now, you heard me say many months ago, are your deep-line midfielders. And they've got to play like them when they have the ball. So that could be one thing. I will say defensively, when I look at him, and he's sharp, he's smart, he's got light feet, He's really quick in the challenge. He doesn't want to win the ball and just win it out for a throw, jog back in. He wants to win it, take it off you, run past you. He can defend. I do think, if you ask me honestly earlier, I think he's a, a bit light in his body. He's light. He can be moved. But the football is changing now. He can't have big soul Campbells anymore. You've got to have people who are smart, read it, intercept it, because as soon as you go near anybody, it's a foul. And he's one of those type of modern defenders. So... It'll be interesting to see, but you couldn't, like I said earlier, you can't get any other England centre-backs for any decent money. 45 mil plus add-ons, which is always going to be the number. Feels about five heavy for me, but I'll live with it if we get 10 years from this kid. Yeah, Yeah. all right. So now you have to add to him with someone you've been impressed with at the Euros, Clive. So uh, you've stalled long enough, and I realize you haven't been asked this question in advance and had time to think about it. So just sort of rolling through your mind to the players that have looked really good in the Euros group stages and and preferably I mean the question asked someone we could get so I, I think the obvious point is like not Lukaku you know yes, okay well the player fortunately and we do we, we did remember our attacking podcast we did I do and there, and there was one player that I picked out and I've been banging on about him for a little while is Alexander Isak mm-hmm. the Swedish centre forward and I think he's a centre forward that's worth paying the release clause for I really do I think he's one of them that says, I'm Arsenal centre forward, I'm your I'm your point of attack, and you can build around him. I think he is only going to get better. He's running in behind, he's receiving, his ability in the air, his desire once he's lost the ball, he's Martinelli like. He can flip left and travel inside, double step overs. He can drive in from the right, he can post up, he can go long. He can carry, I mean, and he's 22, I think, 22, 23 max. Mate, he's, he's Elliot spreadsheet ready. Mm. He really is. And, and his release clause is 70 million? 
I thought it was around £59 million. Pound. I mean, it depends what you read, Paul. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was £60 million, million Euros is a, is a mooted cost I'd seen. So somewhere in that yeah. range, yeah. He's I tweeted about out to be 22 in September. Yeah, and he hasn't scored yet, but you don't need to be. You, you, <laughs> we, can, we can all see. We can all see. Do you know what I mean? You, we can all see. And I, I was talking to him, my mate Tom about this, and and he wasn't sure that he had enough end product. We've been discussing this for months now. And I kept going on him because I just kept thinking he was a Bamiyang like to me, but with more ability around the ball. On the ball, yeah. Just, mm-hmm. Didn't score like a Bamiyang, not at this age. But there's something there. And I, I think that is a signing which changes our direction. It says we're going to now take the next phase of Arsenal you're going to be leading us for it. Now, there is no goals guarantee. And if we have got a guy there on 250 grand a week who's our skipper, and they sort of mirror each other. So, um, yeah, he's the one that I like a lot, but I liked him before the tournament, really. So um, that's my pick. Yeah. The funny thing is that then answers uh, call me Joey419's question in the Discord, which was some talk today about Isaac, super exciting player, but would 60 million euros on a striker be the right use of resources? I think I answered this on another pod myself, which is it is such an important position. It is the most important position, I think. And given Aubameyang's age and Lacazette likely leaving, I hope personally, and Martinelli still being sort of a notional striker, not a proven one, and Balogun, you know, we literally have no idea what we, what we have there. I think you need a really elite striking option for the future in the fold. I, do, I don't think that's a position where it can be once Aubameyang goes, will yada yada the striker position. You do not want to be in that situation. So I, I think I'd be okay spending it there. Um, here, here's can a question. I, can, yeah. mm-hmm. can I just add one more? Just I would love for... it if you would. Yeah. I, the, look, I mean, Paul is only here to, to, you know, chime in if needed. Is really all. all <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm loving this. It, it gives me carte blanche for the next time I go. Fucking um, loopy. Well, on I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> go, go, go ahead, Clive. Knock I'm, yourself I'm out. I'm really sorry, but, <laughs> but I think the the listener will will like this player and a player that I heard of before the tournament, but not been in my eye line, not spoken about with you guys or anything like that. And that's the little midfielder in, for Spain, Pedri. Oh, but have, he's. Have yeah. you seen him? Yeah, he's sensational. He's not going I mean, anywhere, just, though. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. But I just thought I had to just mention him. I mean, my goodness, what is going on? It, it looks like. It's a mixture of Cesc Fabregas and Xavi and Iniesta mm. all mixed into one. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the hell is going on there? I mean, football surprises you all the time. I don't know why I'm watching there. I mean, that is just ridiculous at that age, you know? And, um, yeah, that's what I love about the game. So that had to, I just felt I had to mention him earlier. I had to. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he is a sensational player. I think it is worth pointing out he did make 28 starts for Barcelona this season and was absolutely exceptional for them. So, I, you know, he's not going to sneak up on anyone in the transfer market, unfortunately. But, yeah, um, wow, what a player. Uh, Paul, I, I think you're going to try to dodge this, but I, I'd like you to try to answer it um, or at least dodge it and then I can answer it, which is fine too. Um, Toye Ade on Facebook asks, what is the minimum we should expect in terms of position by Christmas next season? I feel with the lack of European football, we should be around the top four. Not necessarily in it, but certainly in the conversation. I think this is a fair ask, and our tennis future should depend on that milestone. Paul, I I know that you, in general, and I Why sort of agree with you. I dodge that? Well, That's only because we, we, we've had the discussion before, and I sort of agree with you that like just looking at league position is a reductive way to say whether a manager is doing the job right, but do you think what Toye puts forward as the criteria 
is is it is the right one? And if not, what what would yours be? Um. So I mean, basically, yeah. I, I'm not. I don't think it's the right one, but it, this time round, it won't matter. Uh, like leading into this summer, or leading into November, December last year, I can make all sorts of excuses for why we needed to take a step back. But he's not. You don't get two years, two and a half years without scrutiny against the table. Um, like one of the reasons I would support something like a Ben White right at the start of the summer, Premier League player that the manager wanted went, you know, if we get him the players and it feels like we're going to or at least two or three of the players he's looking for, like you you can have excuses, but basically all all excuses are off at that stage. That's just the way it's going to be for him anyway, right? Leading into, he needs to be good enough and his team need to be strong enough that by heading into the January window or the end of the kind of the first five, six months, uh, first five months of the season, he's answering the questions. Because if it's as confusingly uh, ambiguous a future for us, trending slightly in the wrong direction, but with a bunch of excuses. That's no bloody use to us as a club. Like, he's got to pull us this summer going into the first half of the next season out of that area of confusion, of chaos as to, are we any good? I mean, if we go and get him several top players that he wants this summer, got to perform, and he's got to be a little bit lucky. And, and the results have to be there and the performances. It can't be the first half of this season and it can't really even be the second half of this season in terms of uh, delivery. Like, he's he's got to do better in the bigger game. You know, he's got to start answering questions over the next five months. Now, I'm rooting for him, mm. um, but I... I'd be upset with myself, disappointed, Elliot, if unless like cataclysmic events have happened across the planet one more time, um, like there shouldn't be a need for major excuses. We should be we should be in the top four to six um, or right there. Like if we're seventh, but we look like we should be in the top six or, we, you know, blah, blah, blah. We should basically be a top six and better team by. December 31st. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Paul? Like, I, I'm sort of fine with that. I, I think, like, look, I'd get wonkier about it and say, like, if our underlying metrics have us one of the top four teams yep. in the league, like, I, I'd be okay yep. with that. But, like, sure. I, I realize that that is, that is a, a really wonky way to do it. The only thing I'd say is, like, if we were, let's say, sixth and we were, like, three points off the top four, but we had a really, really bad attack again, I think at some point then you have to say, like, is this a persistent problem? I think the next thing that I want to see from Arteta, apart from, you know, being effective in the market this summer, is that he can take the attack and, and consistently make it perform at a level that, that needs to to be in the in the top four. And I think we have enough attacking talent there to do it. So... Yeah, I yeah. mean, I do think an important part of it will be getting the the supporters confident that we're making progress, and that speaks to both parts of it, right? We need to be in the frame for four to, fourth to sixth, the performances, the metrics, and like you say, it, it shouldn't have any weird anomalies like, um, oh, we don't really have an attack, 
you know, we're there, but we don't really have like we should be playing decent football, good football. We should the the supporters should be fairly sure we're on the right track on mass. I mean, it'll be 18 months in. We should be heading in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Clive, I'll let you just quickly chime in on that. Do you have in your mind by Christmas a mile marker that we need to be at in order for you to feel like the this is going in the right direction? Or do you think that's even still too soon to decide? Uh, no, it could still be a good time. In my mind, I don't worry about what Arsenal are doing. I'm thinking, what's they going to be saying wherever Arsenal are? Uh, that's really the important off? point. Let's face it. I mean, that's 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 the thing people should be considering, Arteta not, uh, exactly. notwithstanding it. But my, you know, basically, face him, I, I want us to be a top four team in the next season. Simple as that. That's my success criteria, or a very, very near miss. And, and that's the only thing I'm going to accept, because if we do what we need to do, with players going out and players coming in. And if we all sit here in August and say, this is a decent squad, decent team, then we have no excuses, Elliot. I've got what I wanted and no Europe year if we wouldn't get in Champions League. Time to prepare, time to coach, focus squad, aligned motivations. Yes, top four for me. So we've got to be right near that, you know, for me to be really, really happy. But, you know, to be honest, if we're not near that, I don't think he's going to work because, you know, if, if, if you've been, a couple of if, buts and maybes here, if you've been given resources, if you have the time to prepare, then I'm afraid you've got to do the job. It's yeah. that simple. You know, previously, COVID, we know the rules, regime change, bloated squad, problems, people looking out for their money, um, squatters. I, I gave him all the pass, and, and I, I think we're fair to him right to, but this is his squad now from here on in. And um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know what I will say is, I I think realistically, we don't have a right to expect to finish above City, United, Chelsea, or Liverpool right now. I think asking us to be above any of those teams in one season time is a bit much. Now, we have no Europe, and so that's an advantage we'll have to leverage. But I, I think we have some way to go still to catch those teams. I don't think there's another team we should just be okay finishing behind. Now, that's, again, that's not to say we have a divine right to finish above other teams, but I think in terms of the talent and in terms of the resources and where we are and with no Europe, I think we should be able to... I don't want us finishing behind any other teams but those. And if we do, and the underlying metrics aren't good, then I think it is a failure and we need to to look at moving on. Um, But if we just finish behind those teams and otherwise the underlying metrics are good... I would say that, that that we've progressed to the level where we should be one season on because I, I don't know that you could expect us to be above City, Chelsea, United, or Liverpool in one season time. Now, Clive, this is an interesting one. I mean, Elliot, can yeah. I ask you yeah. one quick question? Sure. Did I dodge the question? You didn't. You answered it like head on, in fact. And I, I have to be honest, I, I appreciated it. And I agreed with it. So, <laughs> you know, the only thing I disagree with you about, and you know this, and we don't need to relitigate it, it's a banner day for the for the bingo mm-hmm. mod bingo mug um is that i i don't think like if your coach is theoretically on shaky ground and i'm not saying Arteta's on shaky ground but like he's not someone where you're like there's zero scenario where it could go bad for him next season i don't think you want to expend massive resources buying players to save the manager's job right like like if it's not a player you would so let's say we sacked Arteta this summer and got another manager if Ben White isn't a player we would buy for that other manager, we shouldn't buy him for Arteta either. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, if we don't think Ben White's yeah, a priority. I agree. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, well, then we're on the same page. Yeah. 
but but it's the first part of it I'm not not sure about, which is like if Ben White's as good as we must think he is, then we need him. Yeah, I would agree. Look, if Ben White is as good as the fifty million pounds we rate him at, and Saliba is not good enough to start, which seems to be what we believe, then we are doing the right thing. I mean, the one th- the one thing we all have to agree is, Arsenal Football Club have clearly made the decision that Ben White is very, very good and Saliba is not ready. We may disagree with all aspects tactically of that, strategically of that, or even evaluation-wise. But if that's what they believe, it is very hard to criticize them for acting on it. I don't agree with it, but what the hell do I know? I'm just an idiot, and everybody knows that. Um, okay, so, Clive, James Byrne... On Twitter, at JamesBurn89 asks, with Villa seemingly interested in Smith-Rowe, would you take a straight swap for Grealish? I mean, he says, he said, listen, now he goes on to say, seems obvious, and we would improve in the short term, but imagine watching Smith-Rowe reach his ceiling at another club, plus we don't know how good he could be. I think this is trickier than you might think. I mean, the obvious answer is, yes, of course, one is a 90 million rated talent and the other is not, but it also gives you a chance to speak briefly about what the heck is going on with this Villa interest in Smith Rowe and is it just agent tomfoolery to get a better contract or do we have something to worry about here? So feel free to answer this question in the way that makes most sense to you. <laughs> I think it's... Um, would you do the straight swap? You would, right? Uh, well, yeah. Jack Grealish is a, he's a, he's a very good player, right? So, um, and he's at the tip top I of his game. ahead of you? Yeah, please, yeah, please, Paul. We don't want to hear from Clive. Yeah. You take Grealish, sell him to City, take the 90 million, buy Smith Rowe back from Villa for 45 million. We got 45 million in the bank. Now let bank. me tell you how that would summer. go. We'd take yeah, the straight so swap for Grealish. We'd sell Grealish to Barca for 40 million and we'd buy Smith Rowe back for 65 million. That's how we'd do it. But go ahead, Clyde, please. Be my guest. <laughs> and send them Saliba on loan. <laughs> no, no, then we'd send Smith Rowe out on loan and we'd go buy an, uh, James Madison for 50 million. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I think um, the Smith Rowe thing. I've been a little bit worried about it. <laughs> I was reaching out to a few people in the background, but um, it, I think it's just contract talk. It's just um, making sure that he gets paid appropriately. So that's that's fine. Um, I think he's going to settle down, and that'll be the end of that, and he'll stay. He says, hopefully. Um, I, I, I'm more interested in the um, why Villa are doing it, you know. And, with um with um Balogun and with other players, you know, like Saka, we sort of know their agents. We know they've they pushed the deals quite hard. I don't know who Smith Rowe's agent is. I don't know if he's he's putting him out there to make sure he gets better money. It's quite an interesting one, really, because I just thought that'd be a slam dunk. I'm sure it will be. Uh, Aston Villa position themselves very very nicely. I think they know they're about to lose their star player at some point this year or next. He won't stay there for too much longer. Um, so. They are positioning themselves. They're making sure they get the people in ahead of time. But um, I don't think they're going to get Smith throw. Um, I don't see a swap. I don't see it's a, a, a fair question, really. I think it's it's something that a lot of Arsenal fans really like. And for some reason, Arsenal fans just seem to think Greece are going to arrive at our club. You know, with no Europe, nothing, nothing. So um, it shows you how people think. I think, um, as you do, Chris Smith-Rowe is one of the big future stones of our club. And um, his football ability is barely touched. I think there's so much more to come physically, goal-scoring-wise, speed-wise. I just think he's got a lot. You know, game intelligence. He's just arrived as a kid and he's just smiling his way for the first team. Wait till he actually really, really believes in himself. 
I think he's going to just be something sensational. So I hope Arsenal knock him down and give him a, a single-digit squad number. It'd be very, be very smart. Yeah, surely he he can't be going anywhere. I mean, is there the slightest worry that like we're linked with sixty million pound players in a position that kind of are similar to him, and then that means maybe moving out to the wing? But there, there's Pepe and Saka and Martinelli, and he's looking at it and he's saying. Villa, you know, maybe Villa are selling him the same kind of thing they sold Buendia. You're a centerpiece of what we see. Here's how we'll use you. Here's where you'll play. You'll be at every match starter for us. I mean, are they trying to seduce him with, uh, you know, hey, we're going to get you in the England team and here's how we're going to do it. I just, I do think it is interesting that there's a bit of a logjam on the wings at Arsenal right now with talented young players. And we are linked with 50 and 60 million pound moves for players in, in the 10 position. We really wanted Odegaard too. Do, do you think... Clive, that there's any possibility that Smith Rowe's having his head turned partly by money, of course, but also partly by a similar to what they did with Buendia, a plan for him that makes him feel like a centerpiece. Uh, I don't, from what I read, I don't think Arsenal went super hard for Buendia. Uh, I think they just, you know, they said they had a value on him, and this was the value. They didn't go beyond it, and that's the real. Obviously, needed that player. They sent Barkley back to Chelsea. Obviously, they didn't. They didn't switch Barkley into a permanent. And so they wanted somebody else in. So they got a similar setup to last year. They might want to add one more to make sure they're future-proof for the future. My worry is, the only worry I have, Elliot, is Smith-Rose's injury record. If Arsenal, if this is a scenario, just give a scenario for the listener. If Arsenal are inviting these bids because they know more about his injuries than what we we do, that's the only thing I can think of from a from a... A bad scenario, but I'm just hopeful that he just gets the time in the gym that he needs to get himself ready to play football every three days. That's why I really hope for, and um, I'd rather not think too much about the other scenarios. We do need one more because William's going to go and Odegaard's gone. Well, I hope William goes. That's the last minute's gone from the first group, and Smith Rowe can't absorb those minutes, so we need one more in that in that group. So it makes sense to have a sign in and just rotate. Yeah. All right. Well, Paul, this one comes from office underscore droid Matt on Twitter. Um, actually, it's for it's for you, Clive, specifically. So, Paul, I'll get back to you in a second. Mail comes in a bag. Do you know what else comes in a bag, Clive? Oh, gosh. Balls. <laughs> Balls come in a bag, Clive. I mean, this is just from Matt on Twitter. And then he says, buy the lawnmower 4.0. <laughs> I mean. Cool. That's good. What do I do here? <laughs> I don't, you don't even, you just got Matt for it. You know what else comes in a bag? I mean, I had to read it out. I had to read it out. It's a lot more 4.0. I mean, look, it is, it is the perfect time because with the Vegas event now announced on the pod, even if not the website, there is that chance that you are going to be traveling to see us. And my goodness, you know what? I might even do a thing where, like, I'll buy you a drink if you bring your lawnmower 4.0. I, I don't know. We'll get crazy. We'll, we'll come up with something, you know, so, something that ensures that you have properly uh, manscaped yourself. And the way to do it is go to manscaped.com. They got the perfect package right now, which is um, not a part of your body, although it will be when you get it. It's a thing that comes with a weed whacker for nose and ears, um, which is awesome, by the way. The lawnmower, which of course has the skin safe technology, the ceramic blades, the ultra long battery. It's waterproof, wet, dry. Take it in the shower. Don't use that rusty old razor that's in there. Uh, I can tell you when you have nicks and cuts down in that area, 
extremely uh, painful and unappealing. So just not a good way to do it. Uh, comes with tonics and lotions, all kinds of good stuff, and a and a carry bag. There's there's a guard for the lawnmower, so you can do sideburns and you know really wherever you want. It's a fantastic product. It is a fantastic company. They they you know have a, a, an association with the testicular cancer charity as well. So just a good company, a good product, and you can get twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping when you use promo code Arsenal Vision. I mean that's it. You go to manscaped.com, use promo code Arsenal Vision. And you, you get stuff and you, and you save money on it and it's fantastic and you look and you feel great and the stuff is just super high end and just a lot of, I mean, like I, when I use it, it makes me feel classier than I am. Um, and I want to thank Matt for his excellent intro. Clive, is that enough of that? Yep. Move on. Moving on. You know what else comes in a bag, Clive? <laughs> I had to read it out. I didn't have a choice. Um, okay. So here here's one for you paul and, and i mean this is just pure speculation so fire away jesper nielsen at jesper nielsen 95 on twitter says considering the players we're linked with from reliable sources do you actually think uncle stan is investing or will we take on a loan that will be damaging by the coming uh dam- that we will be damaged by in the coming years no way we can sell players for more than 100 million so where's the money coming from paul is stan just becoming a benefactor are we saddling the club with debt are we buying Ben White and no one else just to see if my head can literally pop off my shoulders on a on a audio format? Uh, what do you what do you think of Jesper's question? Where's where's the money coming from? Um, so uh, it's I'm I'm fairly clear in my own mind that the money will come from a loan attached to the club. <clears throat> um, that's a very glaziers thing to do only they actually take money out as well but like the glaziers don't put money into the club stan's talked about how well the glaziers do uh football how well they do the premier league how well they've handled united that that's a model he admires he pallies around with them when it's the time for an esl or a uefa Mm. super league um he absolutely definitely positively wants this team back in the top four to six so that he maintains his uh, top six elites uh, ESL credentials or whatever comes next uh, so that he can legitimately pal around with the Glazers and with uh, John Henry. And he needs his team back in the top four to top six and they've got to spend money. And I don't think in this particular climate he wants to or sees the need to at this point um, put his own personal monies into it because he's thinking money's cheap. You can get a loan. Um, the asset value of the club is way beyond what he's put into it. It's probably worth $2 billion. He's put about a billion into it. He sees maybe not a billion he can get loans for, but certainly $100 million, $150 million, $200 million. Mm. Um, As a loan, attach that to the club. Worry about what to do about it in the future. Um, and that's that's a can he can kick down the road, but the can he can't kick down the road is get is turning this club around. Money has to. This is what I think the scenario is. I'm not. I'm saying it more certainly, uh, with more certainty than I have. But I think um, there's clear indications. They've said let's stop effing around. Kind of buying the players. Kind of spending the money. Let's not do any uh, Nicholas Pepe's or even Thomas Parties where the guy has to come from a different league, adjust. We get to know him. He's got some injuries. We get him in late in the summer. We're going early. We're going big. We're getting the players. 
they've asked Arteta the three or four names and th- or three or four positions that he needs and he'll get the critical ones from the Premier League if possible are certainly ready to go, ready to play day one, known entities. Um, this is the rosiest scenario in one sense. The downside is it would be a loan attached to the club, um, which, you know, that's a whole other discussion. Um whether you would want that given the alternatives. Of course, we want the Cronkies to pour their own personal monies into it, but this is a business, so it's going to be a loan. It's not going to be, where is he going to get the money from? From the LA Rams uh, selling one of his ranches? I mean, we might like that to be the answer, but it's we not, know it's, it's not a the business. Answer. <laughs> it's not the yeah, answer. Yeah, it's not the answer. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a business. So within the broad confines of his business, that's where the money will come from, so it has to be a loan. So it has to be a loan from somewhere. Well, why not, from his standpoint, why not the club? It's got additional value in the club. It's light in terms of loans and exposure there. So, like, if you're a billionaire, why wouldn't you stick a 100 or 150 million pound or whatever the amount is loan on the club so that you can get it back to the value, like, spend 200 million get the club back to being worth two billion and upwards uh, as opposed to two billion and downwards. So he wants it worth two and a half, three billion when it goes into the UEFA Super League or whatever the hell happens next is his thinking, is my thinking. Yeah, I mean, I I have no idea. I, I honestly have no idea. I, I think it's it's really hard for me on this one because... I can make the argument for why Stan might say, I have to put some money into this and get this turned around. There's just certainly no indication that he would do that. Um, and I could see him bring, you know, getting loans. Obviously, interest rates are extremely low, so you're saddling the club with debt, but you're saddling the club with you know, um, relatively inexpensive debt, I guess is a thing. <clears throat> but we'll just have to see. I mean, ultimately, this is one where I think how we feel about this window is going to depend on what the total outlay is, and that will also change how we feel about some of the targets. Um, I do want to respond to a question someone sent over, and unfortunately, I can no longer find it. I wonder if it was deleted or something, but it was addressed to Whiskers, which I assume is me, and that is good. And so I apologize for not finding your name and and wanted to uh, say it, but I can't, so I I apologize. But basically, uh, the person asked, you know, why do you think, you know, as, as far as we've slid down the table and we now have to compete with teams like Villa and Leicester, um, you know, and West Ham and, and these other clubs, how are we supposed to stay ahead of them if we're just buying, you know, the, the cheap, clever deals from Europe and we're not ever buying, you know, the more expensive, more proven Premier League talent and things like that? And, and I get that. I really do get that. And I, and I want to make it clear that, like, I'm not saying the only way to build a team is to buy really cheap, unknown players and have them be great. That That's obviously not what you do. Um I think that what you want to do is try to find efficiency. And, you know, if you look at Liverpool's team, for example, Sadio Mane was a Premier League player. Diogo Jota was a Premier League player. They're fairly efficient buys, good, smart buys. Now, you know, they made some mistakes. I want to be clear whenever I reference Liverpool, I'm not saying they got everything right. Um, You know, who was the best acquisition Liverpool made during their building? You'd say Virgil van Dijk. He wasn't a Premier League player, but he was top of the market. Or Mohamed Salah, maybe a little bit more of an efficiency. You know, if you look at our signings, the irony is the really, really, really big expensive signings we've made have often been the ones that just don't get it done. What are some of the best signings we made? Tierney? I thought that was an efficient signing. 
certainly Martinelli. Uh, we've got two kids from our academy that have been really uh, important for us. So, <clears throat> you know, along the way, I think we've shown that you can do things efficiently. Lakanga is a player who could prove to be a very efficient move, planning for the succession from Thomas Party, maybe someone who can even play with him a bit, although probably instead of, but either way, yeah, that's a little more clever. So I do think you can mix it up. I want to move on to, to selling, though, and, you know, there's a few things going on here. One is that we have a, another Orn bomb basically saying that Mavropanos is moving on and looks like a loan with an option to buy, uh, and it's... Not an expensive option. Let's be honest. Konstantinos uh, Mav- Mavropanos joins Stuttgart from Arsenal, worth up to five million pounds, one-year loan, then three-year deal if turned permanent. Five hundred thousand pound loan fee, three million chance to buy, obligated if they stay up. Bonuses of up to one point five million. I mean, this could wind up being a three million pound signing for a player who is really, really good in the Bundesliga, from what I've read. Similarly, if you look at the Lucas Torreira situation, you have a situation there where, you know, it looks like we are going to do a, a loan to Lazio with an option to buy, potentially, for around 15 million euro. And I'm really sorry, you guys, but, like, it, it is hard for me because, you know, if you're going to do loans with options to buy, you can certainly do them later in the window. See if another buyer pops up. Let a market develop. Mavropanos and Torreira aren't bad players. They're players that someone may want, and someone may decide, you know what? I'll give you $5 million right now, or I'll give you $7 million. But the reality is, you know, the Shaka deal hasn't happened yet. Mavropanos, $3 million. Torreira alone and maybe turns into €15 million. Euro. We're just not great at extracting value. So I'm going to ask sort of two questions, Clive, from the Discord that, that blur together. So give me a moment here. Jiffy297 asks, Do you think our potential to raise money through sales has been understated? The Ben White rumors seem to suggest that we have a large budget this summer, but surely it's easy to see that a lot of this could come through money we raise. We don't necessarily have a lot of quality to sell, but the sheer quantity of saleable assets could come together to a hefty sum? Question mark? Well, Emil Smith, row your boat, (laughs) says, with news of Ben White apparently joining for 50 million pounds and Chaka leaving for about 15 million euro, can you put a finger on why we've been unable for years to obtain value either buying or selling? Of our current squad, Martinelli and Tierney are the only two I can say we underpaid for. Over the last 10 years, Wobie and Oxlade Chamberlain are the only two players we've sold for over market value. The profile of players, however, is there... Uh, uh, the profile players we are targeting is encouraging, however. Is there any indication we are learning to outsmart the market? And how much of it is down to the fact that our sales are often abroad to club strapped for cash? You know what, Paul? I'll let you start with this, but I want both of you to get to it. I think, you know, as we start to wrap up here, this really is the crux of it. Because whatever our budget is this summer, surely it's predicated on some of it being raised from player trading. And it's a thing we used to be excellent at. And to be fair, we bemoaned it. Maybe because we didn't really appreciate the importance of squad building at the time when we were losing players like Van Persie and Fabregas and Nasri and Adebayor. You know, every summer out they went. Alex Song, LOL, Kleb. But to be fair, those days are long gone and now it's players leaving on free or for pennies. So where do you stand on this? Are we, Paul, are we going to raise a lot of money from sales and that's going to help? Or is it really discouraging seeing some of the early signs that we're just finding whatever loans we can to get players out of the club, regardless of whether we're recouping the value we should. Um, I think it's another one of those Arsenal mysteries. I don't understand why we're absolutely so terrible at selling. We're like, it's it's like we've got a different uh, force field that we operate in compared to others. I mean, when was the, who was the last good sale we made? where we thought, oh, that's really good money. It's probably like Iwobi, right? 
and that was out of the blue um, and involved Everton on the other side of the deal, which might be a winning formula for us. Maybe we should go and talk to Everton about some of our players. Um, I mean, when was the last time we were actually good at selling? I, I remember that period you referenced there when we were selling Van Persie and Fabregas, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, Nasri, we got decent money for. But we were then the team in the league that played the young players with the stylish football, and now that's pretty much every club. Um, we still had the glow of the Invincible era, era just a little bit behind us, but mostly we had some really good young talent that, and I think this is the important part of it, we didn't want to sell. Like, the reason we sold uh, Van Persie, Sesk, etc., etc., I mean, we weren't all over the moon about the price we got for Sesk either, but 30-something million plus a buyback which we actually got the option to use, shockingly, I never thought we would. Um, you know, that was that was at least negotiation from a position of strength. And when was the last time we were selling from a position of strength? We're, like, we're not in a different world here. I expect to see this from other clubs too, but it seems to be just us that's like terrible, terrible. At, I mean, how can you not get good money for Genduzi? I mean... We were trying to scratch our head where he was between good and great when he played for us. And yes, he has attitudinal issues, but he's young. There's plenty of clubs will want to take a punt on that. And how did we turn Terrer into somebody somebody unsellable? I mean, we'll get something for him this summer. Mavropanos, like when it looks like um, our friends at Stuttgart, um, what's his face? Uh, Sven Mislint out wants wants to keep Mavropanos, which tells you two two or three things. They want to keep him. They want to buy him. Apparently, we're about to sell him for something close to with with an option which they have to take unless they get relegated. Something like up to up to five million. I mean, Jesus Christ, that means less than five million. That might be four, <laughs> three. And a, it's like up to five million. Piss off, right? Mm. I mean, if you're going to insult us. Give me a little peck on the cheek. I mean, it's just five million, and let's get pissed off about the five million. Um, Can I just stop you for one second there, too? Because the funny yeah. thing is, Paul, if you told me we were buying this guy Mavropanos for five million, and I looked at his radars, and I looked at his data, and I looked at the season he had, I'd say, hey, we're learning something here. This guy, good age, some injury history, but at that price, that's a smart punt to take on him. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the kind of buy I'd want us to make, not the kind of sale I'd want us to make. Yeah, and the other side of that is never sell to Sven Mislintat, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. A young player sold it. Like, what does that tell you? <laughs> and then the other question is, yet we don't have other Bundesliga clubs chasing him. Only Arsenal can have Sven Mislintat uh, getting this guy from us for cheap without other Bundesliga clubs saying, hang on a second. We've seen him all year, four million. He's been really good. I mean, all reports are he had a great season. How is he only fucking worth four million, five million, and only to spend Mislintat? How do we do it? It's just, it astounds me how terrible we are at selling, and I don't know whose fault it is. I mean, it shouldn't even be hard. Like, when you have talent, you don't need to be, like, you need to be brilliant to get the last dollar. But to get only the first twenty percent of the dollars, I mean, what's going on? Is there is there like is there some conspiracy? Are there 
12 foot tall lizard men running the transfer market just picking <laughs> now on now we're getting somewhere it, it, <laughs> it, it defies all logic i mean you don't even have to be great at selling you just have to not be terrible and they will come and make reason like that's what auctions are for it's so you don't have to be great with the gavel right you get them going they start bidding nobody bids against anybody for arsenal players what is going on yeah i, I mean clive i guess this is this is my thing, right? Like the, the Lucas Torreira thing is a good good example. Um, we don't have to do this move now. It almost feels like someone said we have a lot of players to clear them out to clear out, and the the people in charge of that are like, well, we'll get rid of them by hook or by crook. You know, call one eight hundred got junk, and we'll let people come and haul them away from the Emirates. Like, you don't have to loan Torreira in June. If you're going to loan him, you, well, I mean, I was going to say you could loan him at the end of the window, but we've seen how that went with Saliba last year. But like. He's a, a player with some value. You could at least wait and see if a market develops. I just... I, the, all of these things are things, Clive, where we're trying to see if Arsenal can be savvy in the market and really extract value from the players they sell and find value in the players they buy. And moves like this where, where we just seem to miss the target or, or act rashly to, to move on players. Like, it it does undermine a little of my faith in that. And I realize there are some people that are like, you're just nitpicking this stuff way too much. And if that's the case, I'll hold my hand up. But do you... Do you feel similarly that, that the discipline to find value for the players we're, we're moving on is not there, or, or if not the discipline, the ability? Yeah, the ability, the market. We, we all, what you're saying here, we all want. We want to sell high and buy low. Well, that's what we really want. But it doesn't seem to be happening. We seem to sell low and buy and buy high and have done for a, a long time, right? So, And that's why we're eighth. So I look at this summer as a reset moment, a development year last year, and a reset this summer, and a positioning year this year, a repositioning of the club to stop and eliminate that force field that Paul mentioned. There just seems to be a place people come in, and they come out looking different. You know what that is, mate? That's about success. That's about every week's success, and it's about how you operate. Over the last recent years, we have not operated well. We have not had any stability in our executive, in our leadership, in our management, and we are vulnerable to opportunities to take money from us. And they've done this consistently. It's about how you operate. If you operate well with a stable set of executives, with a stable way of working, you can drive these things up. You can drive these prices up just by who you are and how you work. And we do not work well. And that's the truth, and evidence tells us that. So this is one of the reasons why I quite liked this Ben White and Madison rumours, because it's a new way of operating. We've repositioned ourselves in the market, repositioned ourselves in the league. I've said many times that um, I often feel that Arsenal are the 21st team in the Premier League. We're the foreign team that never really buys in league or in country. Very rarely does it. And we always want to go out to be clever, and it doesn't always work. You know, so I'm actually quite pleased about these deals because it, it, it just absolutely says to people, we're here, we're taking your good player, we're going to pay for him, but if we do it three or four more times, we're going to have a team. You know, Manchester United sitting there second in the league, they're about to spend 90 million quid on Jaden Sancho. I don't think he's a tactical fit for that team, but they're going to get him. They're going to get him in, they're going to pay for him. And then we just go, we're going to move how we operate. If they're doing that, how are we going to catch them? We're not playing Dan James no more. 
they're playing Jaden Sancho, yeah. right? So, and they were looking at Ben White to to get rid of Lindelof, similar player, right side is centre back. They're looking at Paul Torres. I don't know what a bit of a dumb move that is, but because Maguire likes the left and Paul Torres is the left centre back, but Paul Torres is brilliant. Why right? if they were to get him? That's that's a problem. We're not going to catch them. If we want to keep looking at Manfred Panosis and think we're going to catch Manchester United and, and get, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Manfred Panos, two, two good games injured. I watched it, mate. Two good games injured. It's not going to work. We've got to, we've got to grow up our mind a little bit. We've got to grow up. We've got to start putting the cogs in place that are really good. You know, I'm not saying Ben White is really good, but he's good. He's going to get better. He, he suits your spreadsheet area. He really does. 45 mil with some change if you win the Champions League. Fine by me. Fine by me. And um, and what we do at the 10 is going to be interesting. Let's have a sure thing. Let's, let's put another 34 in. Up to 60 million down. So, yep, this is who we are now. I'm fine by it. We have got so much dross in our squad to sell. Let's sell it. Recoup. Because we we've let people walk out for nothing. Something is better than nothing, right? To re to reinvest. Yeah, I, look, I, I agree with that. I, I think I, the the problem also is, and this is the reality, right? Like people say, why can Liverpool sell their dross for big money and we can't? When you're winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues, there's an aura around your players, and when you're, you know, slipping down to mid table, the guys that you didn't want in your team become a lot less valuable, and when. I think you're as obvious about it as we are in wanting your players gone. Teams aren't going to line up to throw money at you. I mean, there is a question of whether guys like Mavropanos and Torreira are worth more in the squad than the $8 million we recoup. You know, if you're going to sell Granit Xhaka and you're going to move on maybe an Elneny and you're going to get rid of, you know, or have gotten rid of Ceballos and maybe you're going to move on a Joe Willick and Maitland-Niles... Is Lucas Torreira the kind of guy who say, you know, look, we kept down, we sent El Nenny on loan at twenty seven. We brought him back to do who the heck knows what. Lucas Torreira is certainly as good as El Nenny in my view. You know, maybe you say we're not getting the bids we want for him. He's more valued by us in the squad than the four million that he can recoup. You know, and maybe you say the same about him. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say there's another side to it, and maybe it's, it's covers Mavro Panos as well. Mavro Panos obviously gone to Stuttgart, spend brought him into Arsenal. And now he's at Stuttgart, where Sven is. So basically, there's there's a soft factor to this as well. That's where he wants to be. He feels confident playing in his football world. The same for Torreira. I'm purely football ability area. I like Torreira. I like him quite a lot, actually. He had some really successful weeks, months, shall we say. You know what, mate? Even the first three months of when he was here, there were rumours of him wanting to go back. He just hasn't settled. So there's a soft factor here that's driving the professional decision. What Matreira's done is let everybody know that he doesn't want to be at Arsenal, which crashes his value. Right? He let him he let him know what continent he wants to be in, number one. He's calmed down from that. He says he doesn't want this side of Northern Europe. He wants to be elsewhere. It makes it very difficult for us to create a market for him. Right? And Gwendozy again, we know what's happened there. He smashed the market for us. He's gone out alone. He didn't smash it on the pitch. You know, he didn't. He fell out with the players in, in Hertha Berlin as well. That's the third time now he's crashed dressing rooms. But it's very difficult. I'm not, I'm not trying to defend the clubs year upon year upon year of terrible transfer decisions, you know. Not going to relitigate it. But 
there's been some factors here. At least we're trying to get out of it. I think that's that's what I wanted the reset, and that's what I think the reset is. Let's get out of it, as you say. You're saying Belfast. Well, I don't think we failed fast enough. Belfast, chop their legs off. Let's go. Let's reset with some different players and and have a different atmosphere around the club. And from there on in, hopefully the force field will be better and we'll be more positive when we go to resell these players. Yeah, um, I, I hear that. I, I think it is a fair point that like one of the things that's happened with us sliding down the table, Clive, is I think we have accepted a lower standard of quality and we've come up with excuses for why players we have are good enough. And I don't think I tend to do that, but I may have done the opposite, which is, come up with excuses for why 15 million pound unheard of midfielders from France are the right signing for us instead of just getting the guy that we know who he is, we know what he costs, and we know what he'll do for us. I mean, we we have a lot of work to do and a lot of quality to replace. Um, I think we can just about leave it there. I, you know, I, I think that's good for a mailbag pod for now. Um, we are going to do a joint Saliba-Ben White scouting video pod for patrons, uh, which I'm sure will elicit no strong reactions in either direction, but I, for one, look forward to doing it. The reason I'm, I want to do it that way, Clive, by the way, is because then we're, we're forced to look at them side by side and, and have an opinion. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, great. I can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I said, someone's going to come away feeling terrible about it. And that, that is really the goal of all the content. Um, you're going to be seeing a couple new things go up, by the way. Uh, so we're doing... Like I said, like the the bingo mug that we have at the shop, which I, I love, and Brandon just then went totally wild designing all this beautiful merch for us, which I, I can't thank him enough for, um, led to the funny idea of having a mug for each person. So Tim, Paul, Clive, me, and Scott will do a little bit of a, a charity competition for who, whoever uh, has the most mugs selected, but they're all going to have like a funny saying that references us and a little graphic on it. should be fun. So that should be up later today too. So anyway, um, the Vegas event still happening. Hope to see you there. The podcast keep rolling on. The Euro dailies will be back when the Euros are back and uh, you know, scouting, scouting coming up for patrons is just all kinds of fun content, whether you're here with us on Patreon or on the regular feed or uh, just in the, in the social media and you dip in here from time to time or for the live streams. It's such a pleasure to talk to you and to sh- share time with you. And these are interesting times at Arsenal. They've been painful in some ways, but I think the way the conversation has evolved is, is fascinating and enjoyable. And I, I want to just say, you know, to everyone who's sending questions today and everyone who gets in touch just to interact about the club and about, you know, the discussions we're having, it means the world to me. So thank you so much. Really, really value it. And I, I hope, you know, uh, you know, just how much it means to all of us. I think I speak for, for Clive and for Tim and for Scott, uh, not for Paul, who's, catchphrase is literally fuck them so that's you know we know, we know where paul stands but that, that, that that'll do it i think we can leave it there paul's on twitter we know what's on paul's mug. we know it's on paul's mug you know i actually really thought about that maybe we'll do it with an asterisk we'll see uh paul's on twitter pause my hands thanks pause yeah fuck him exactly yeah uh you know what else comes in a bad club uh clive's on twitter at clive pfc thanks clive thank you very much my name is elliot smith you can block me on twitter at yankee gunner uh we love you And we will talk to you after Arsenal 50 million Ben White signs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.